I think we are a go once again, ladies and gentlemen, back in action. It is, uh, I'm not sure which episode we're on, five, six, Pat, I'm not even sure of the conspiracy don't, farm. Don't start, a- don't start counting the episodes like UFCs, for God's sakes. <laughs> my bad. All right, this is the Conspiracy Farm. I was always your host, Jeffrey Wilson, and co-host with my boy, UFC Hall of Famer, Bat Cracker, Jaw Jacker, UFC Hall of Famer, Pat Milicic. What's up, buddy? Uh, well, Joe Biggs is up, bud. That's what's Joe up. Joe Biggs on deck. Staff Sergeant Joe Biggs. Man, this guy is everywhere, stacking frequent flyer miles for InfoWars. Man, like literally, the guy is everywhere covering stuff. A lot of a lot of stuff, kind of like what we're doing that you know the mainstream media is not touching. Well, we're going to touch on a little bit today, uh, several subjects. Uh, one we're going to start out with is uh, Joe Biggs knew a gentleman, a journalist by the name of Michael Hastings, Rolling Stone reporter. He was embedded in uh, Joe's uh, army unit. Uh, Joe is a former staff sergeant in the United States Army. Um, subsequently, man. Michael Hastings wound up being killed. His his car was racing down the street in Los Angeles and like kind of blew up. Um, had sent out emails hours and days before he this had happened. You know, kind of warning people and letting people know the FBI is kind of watching me and if they maybe approach you, get legal counsel. Um, a lot of the kind of suspicion is that the, the car was hacked, and of course you can go online and find out that this technology is absolutely real. Uh, former national support, national coordinator for security infrastructure protection and counterterrorism, Richard Clark, um, even pretty much said that you know its intelligence agencies do have this cap- capability. Kind of made a similar quote to Huffington Post. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Staff Sergeant Joe Biggs, sorry for that long-winded intro. Thank you, my brother, for coming on. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what was your relationship, you know, with, with Mr. Michael Hastings? And uh, what are your thoughts on, you know, what happened? Did you buy the official story? Well, in 2008, I was in Afghanistan in the Coast, Pro- or the Coast Province, uh, right on the border of Pakistan, running uh, missions with uh, some special ops guys, some rangers from time to time, some OGA, which is other government agencies. And we were... Uh, pretty much keeping an eye on the border, fighting the Taliban coming in and out, trying to uh, bring in more weapons to resupply other Taliban that were deeper within the country. And Michael Hastings uh, got embedded with me in the summer of 2008. And, uh, you know, when you're, when you're deployed and you're in a, in a high-vis, a high-visual unit that is in a lot of missions, does a lot of stuff, and is popular in a sense, um, they embed reporters from you or with you from time to time. And I'd had reporters embedded with me before, but nothing like this man. This man was, you know, a step above all the others in so many ways. Um, him and I really connected and became really good friends. And he was there through firefights and, you know, attacks and uh, suicide vest attacks. I mean, the guy was there with us through a lot of crazy, crazy times. And he was able to sit there, maintain his focus, be professional, not run around screaming scared like any other journalist I've ever had. And uh, he was there with a smile on his face, excited, ready to do his job. And that's when I connected with him and saw that this guy was different and he was someone worthy of getting to know and, you know, befriending and, you know, staying friends with throughout, you know, the rest of my life. Well, it gets time to come back home. And my flight leaves before Michael's. I fly back, get into the States. I actually get ready to land into Bangor, Maine, and the Icelandic volcano goes off, <laughs> shutting down any flights from Europe back over into the States. So Hastings wasn't able to come back home. So he gets stuck over there, and instead uh, Rolling Stone sends him to NATO to meet up with General Stanley 
Uh, I'm having a, a brain Clark. fart right now. Do what? It was it General Stanley Clark? Is that correct? Uh, McChrystal. McChrystal. McChrystal, yeah. Mr. Crystal, okay. Yeah, it took me a second. Uh, so uh, he ends up getting uh, told to go cover the, uh, this guy. So they're driving around, and he's hearing all this crazy stuff, and none of it's off the record. And he writes a book called, uh, you know, The Runaway General, and does this whole uh, piece for Rolling Stone about McChrystal and, you know, how he openly says that Obama's a, you know, piece of garbage and, you know, doesn't know what he's talking about. And that whole thing spirals out of control. McChrystal gets basically fired as the commanding general of NATO forces in Afghanistan. And needless to say, Michael Hastings begins to start getting death threats. And his life becomes very strange. And he would call me from time to time. At this point in time, I'm now not at Fort Bragg. I'm in El Paso at Fort Bliss at 1st Armored Division. And I remember him calling me when I was outside, actually walking down the street one day. And uh, he was just telling me about how, you know, he's been getting harassed and threats and this and that. And, you know, do, do I think from a military point of view, since I've worked with those kind of people, do I think they would do anything? And I told him if I was him, I would be scared out of my mind because those people don't play around. And especially when you get someone like that fired, you're not just getting him fired. You're getting all the people who have ever been with him throughout his career that he's brought around him. He has like a whole cabinet, so to say. Sure. So you fired like 30 people and they're all mad at you. And some of these guys are people that can do a lot of crazy stuff. So here we are, you know, June 18th, 2013. So it's almost a three-year anniversary. Um, the day before, on the 17th, Michael um, just started acting strange. And I started tweeting stuff out to him. Uh, like he sent me some signed books where he'd written things about me or whatever. And I was sending stuff to try to cheer him up. And then a couple hours goes by, and all of a sudden I get an email, and he hasn't responded to my text. He hasn't responded to my calls. I get an email saying, hey, the FBI is looking into me, and they might come after you guys as well. I'm going to go off the radar for a while. Love you all. I'll see you soon. Something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And then a few hours goes by, and I'm already nervous. I'm calling my mom. I'm going, hey, you know, what do you think this means? Should I be worried about it? And uh, a few hours later goes by, and he still hasn't answered my call. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, uh, I just go to bed. And maybe an hour in his sleep, and I wake up, and uh, my phone's going off, and a friend calls me and says, Michael's dead. And I'm flipping out. I'm going to the news. I'm trying to find out what's going on. And all I see is footage of his car on fire, and, you know, it's in front of a tree. And I'm sitting there, like, flipping out, panicking. I'm like, what the hell? Like, I get this email, and now this happens? This is too strange. Like, there's something going on. You don't just you know, drive erratically at 4 a.m. down the road for nothing. I mean, there's something going on. So as information's coming through, I'm sitting here. I got this email. The email was sent to me and uh, Ben something. I can't remember his name right now off the top of my head from BuzzFeed and some other people that Michael worked with and some guys from Rolling Stone, uh, Jason, Leopold, Vice. A few of us got this email. And... uh I'm sitting here watching all this information. I'm like, wow, no one's saying anything. No one's who's gotten this email. Cause I could see all the people that was CC'd on the email. I'm like, no one's saying anything. You're all journalists. And you're not asking questions as to why your friend just died. Right. So I started coming out and talking about how this email happened, how he's called me about death threats and how he was worried. And, you know, uh, next thing you know, here we are, we're, we're, we're investigating car hacking. We're looking at all this different stuff. 
we finally get footage from, you know, like this TMZ kind of site where you can see Hastings' vehicle driving by, it flashes, and then it swerves to the left, and then there's an ex- it hits a tree and explodes again. With the engine, the like, in the transmission, like, 100 yards away. It's kind of yeah, but, but, the, but the engine was 100 yards away in the direction of travel, which was straight down the road, and yet his car hit a tree. So their story is that he was driving fast, then hit a tree, and instead of the car capturing the engine like it does in almost any wreck, especially when you hit an object like that, mm-hmm. they're saying the engine jumped out of the vehicle and then was on the same path to travel, completely ignoring the fact that the car like blew up first and maybe shot the engine out or got hit by something. And then after that happened, then automatically swerved off to the left. And then when you look at the vehicle damage, it's only the left driver's side where he was exactly. So what's, what, what I find interesting about this, and me being devil's advocate here, um, you know, I've seen NASCAR wrecks where engines fly down the road, and granted, they're going 190 miles an hour when they wreck and they flip several times, but it does happen. So that's not out of the, you know, po- realm of possibility. But I would say, the, uh, you know, getting on the car hacking subject, you know, even on NBC News, what six months ago they showed that, and I, I know guys that are that are agency guys. Um, just with telephones and email, can send you emails or phone calls or text messages from your friend's phone, from their number. It'll come up as their phone and, and come up to you, and you'll say, it could be from your buddy Joe, and you say, hey, Joe, how you doing? And then they go, ah, this isn't Joe, this is John, I'm just messing with you, and which which is a little freaky, uh, to be honest with you. But in terms of, of hacking cars, that's certainly probably the most likely that you know that would jump into my head and what was a what was a reporter doing standing around at four a.m. filming this anyway? Yeah, I know he was already sitting there waiting with his camera pointed in that exact direct line of travel. Yeah. So, well, and it's interesting. Like I said, we talk about this in a larger context. Like, if people want to go check out something called the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, it essentially authorizes the United States government to indefinitely detain American citizens as well as assassinate them. And so, Pat and I had a discussion a couple weeks ago with Dr. Jack Wilson on the numerous. Uh, holistic doctors being killed, bankers dying, microbiologists dying. Holistic doctor just died the other day. So, and then Andrew Breitbart. There's been discussion about his death, and then the coroner's assistant of Breitbart dies of arsenic poisoning. So, ladies and gentlemen, there is precedent for this. We're not just kind of like you know conspiracy theorists. There is some substance to this. Yeah. So. And so moving on, I mean, I guess they're not even moving on to so the official version is like it's I guess it's the, that investigation kind of stopped at he just drove erratically and into a tree. That's that's how this man's basically death is. Going to be well, officially. I mean, I did research on that vehicle and that vehicle clamps as it captures the engine. I've done I, I, I study videos for like I slipped into a deep, deep, dark hole when Mike died. And I shut everybody off in my life, and I was on the Internet all day, every day, researching that exact Mercedes-Benz, the the statistics and crashes, high rates of speed. I even looked at the videos of those crashes at the Autobahn at high rates of speed. Not once had the engines ever been thrown out or anything like that. You know, then I started looking into car hacking, and I'm talking to Alex Jones at the time. I'm just a regular person. I don't even know who the hell the guy is, actually. Because I'm just getting out of the army, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sitting here telling people about car hacking, and you know, I end up going to Megan Kelly, and she's laughing at me, saying that you know I should put on a tinfoil hat 
And since that day, I just cannot stand her. She looks like Skeletor to me. But, uh, you know, ever since that day, like, she just, like, mocked me. But now it's actual discussion and everyday talk about vehicle hacking and how it can be used and how they're, you know, the NDAA and all this, how they can go after people that they don't like. I mean, it's it's not too far and beyond. I mean, it's not something that, you know, is science fiction. It's stuff that could well, actually I mean, happen. When you have... When you have when you have videos of DARPA representatives giving little speeches on the very subject of you know we can hack cars. I mean it's just like I said it's not a puzzle if you just look for it. Yeah, making I mean that's kind of their job to kind of you know protect that you know narrative of you know whatever the official story is. But yeah, and going um, yeah. and going back to the, the Mercedes Benz too when when he talks about the uh, capturing engines and stuff. Yeah, the Mercedes Benzes have crumple zones. They're they're built to deal with horrible wrecks and and. Uh, so yeah, he's he's right on spot with that. Well, yeah, it's incredibly unfortunate, man. Like I said, as I watch these videos, and I'm like, it's such a courageous dude, honestly. I mean, to really do that work and then to 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 meet that end is just it's scary because in my mind, you know, like you said, he pissed off the wrong people and you know, and and was killed for. And it. wasn't and wasn't he investigating uh, Brennan at the CIA when this happened? He was investigating a number of stuff. Um, I mean, <laughs> Brennan was actually given the job to whitewash Obama's passports as well. Um, so he was trying to clean that whole thing up. I think Hastings was one of those guys that he, he was an adrenaline junkie. I mean, he, he was just like Hunter S. Thompson. I mean, he was, he was the next Hunter S. Thompson as far as his journalism is like not sleeping, always going, always, you know, out there trying to like find what's going on, digging the, into the stuff, the grittiest, craziest way to get to the story to find out what's going on. Yeah, he seemed like and, the kind uh, of guy that wanted to ride a tornado in a rocking chair or something. The guy, the guy yeah. was definitely on edge. Well, I mean, it was cool watching some of these videos. Like he was, he was about taking the gloves off, man, asking the serious questions because this whole, you know, NSA surveillance. He was like, when it comes to these questions anymore, you know, like, we've been playing too nice, and he's right, man. So many of these journalists are a part of this Operation Mockingbird bullshit. And, you know, and he and he definitely had the balls to, man, take these people to task, which absolutely needs to continue to happen with more, you know, alternative journalism like you guys are doing over at InfoWars. And, you know, hopefully me and me and Pat can do do our little bit, too. And I, th I um, suggest that we all get uh, vehicles that are mid-70s models so they can't be hacked. Right. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to pass emissions, though, so who knows. <laughs> uh, any, more, any more questions on the hack in there and uh, for Mr. Joe Biggs? No, I'm good, buddy. I'm good. But we definitely needed to touch on that. Yeah, yeah, very unfortunate situation, and, um, you know, rest in peace, Mr. Michael Hastings. Um, moving on a little bit to more contemporary stuff, uh, Joe, I guess Pat wanted to discuss, uh, off air we kind of discussed, maybe talking a little presidential politics, a little drug trade in the Middle East. Let's go with the drug trade right now. It is crazy, and it's been going on since, you know, freaking time immemorial, man. French Connection, your, your Iran Contra Mina, we talked about it a little bit the other day. What's going on, man? Why are our special forces over there guarding the heroin fields? Well, I wouldn't even say it's just special forces. I mean, I was at the, the regular level there for a while, you know, and that's – you get tasked. And the way it comes down to you is as, as the everyday soldier, you don't know what you're doing. You, you just get told, hey, we're going to go out here. I need you to stand perimeter around this area while we go have a discussion. And that's how they tell you. Like you're sitting here setting up a you know security perimeter to guard, you know, our commander as he goes in to speak to this elder who happens to be, you know – a drug dealer who owns large, large amounts of poppy fields and things like that. But at that level, you're just hearing like, Oh, we're just here to pull security while they, these guys have, you know, talks, but then they come out and the commander doesn't look too happy. And now all of a sudden it's destroy that. 
or it's, hey, we're going to come out here routinely and check up on these guys and make sure everything's good. If they need any help, we'll uh, give it to them. So it's whether or not these guys are willing to play ball with you. They come out happy and, or unhappy and say they haven't, the, the, uh, these gentlemen haven't seen any Taliban in the area lately and you leave. Oh, no, no, no. They go in and say, hey, you know, because the government, our government is one of the biggest shippers of this stuff. Right, right. I so we go in. I, that's their, that's their yeah. conversation. Yeah. Well, and, that, and that's real talk, too. <clears throat> like, I'm, obviously, Hamid Karzai was our guy over there, and like we spoke on in another episode. His, His brother, brother pretty <laughs> much got pinched for being the, like, the drug overlord in Afghanistan, which, you know, just kind of adds to the whole, you know, he's obviously on our team. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of stuff that goes on out there that is uh, very, very crazy. And most people don't open their eyes. They don't pay attention. They play that soldier role so well of just following orders and shutting up and not saying anything. And I was always that kind of person. I didn't have that virtue. I didn't have that ability to just kind of sit there and shut up and just do what I'm told. I always ask questions. And somehow I still was able to get promoted. I don't know how. (laughs) Well, now, if if I'm to assume that Basically, from the Reagan years, the Iran-Contra stuff, where we were funding the, the, the South American fight against communism with, with drug money. So we're basically still conducting Iran-Contra affairs, just using the poppy fields of the Middle East to, to fund, to say, Syrian, free Syrian armies and groups in northern Africa. So it's still going on. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's just a new name, a new bad guy just a new location in a sense with uh, certain stuff. That's all. So, so then I, sorry to interrupt you, Jeffrey, but um, so once, once the, the, the non-radicals in Syria take out Assad, if they're able to accomplish that, do we then take out those, those folks? What do we, what do we do then? To, oh, to I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, 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 they're just a means to an end. Yeah. I mean, the whole point is, mm-hmm. you know, they've, they've been wanting to put in a Western puppet in, Syria for a while and right. have been unable to, you know, you know, I remember when, uh, you know, they were uh, using chemicals and stuff on all their civilians. They were saying, you know, and I actually went on Fox and spoke out against how I don't think that we should send troops to Syria. You know, I don't think that uh, Assad is doing all this stuff. I think we're just trying to make him look bad so we can put someone in that we can use. Cause we've already got someone in, our, in Iraq. Now we've got our guy in Afghanistan. Now we need Syria and maybe one day down the road, which is the, uh, the end game would be Iran, but that's going to be a, a long and hard fight for that one. Yeah, and the the, the, the assumption of where they it was so set up you could see it when UN inspectors were in inspecting the chemical weapons and ten miles away chemical weapons get used on Syrian Syrian citizens. Right. No, there's no leader of any country. I don't care how crazy he is is going to do that in front of UN inspectors, right? I mean, so this was a yeah. a complete setup. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, and if you go back on, you know, YouTube, General Wesley Clark, you know, it's been several years, and I can't believe he said it. Um, he was talking about a visit to the Pentagon one day where one of his, you know, colleagues pretty much spelled out that we're going to be taking out X, Y, Z countries over the next years. You know, and it was Syria, Iran, Iraq. It was yeah, man, all, the, yeah. all the places that they're going right now. So, you know, the, the information is there, and um, if we could just follow it and stop falling for this uh this terror business, Joe. You did a you did a report not too long ago on someone we spoke on, Fethullah Gulen, this you know billionaire sitting here living in I think Pennsylvania, you know, yep. funding this shit. Self-imposed uh, uh, exile, trying Kentucky, to avoid yeah. being uh, taken out by uh, Erdogan of Turkey. 
And those guys are both like in battles. I mean, it's amazing how, how much say uh, Gulen has in Turkey politics and day-to-day life from here in the States. I mean, cause the guys work billions and billions of dollars, like, I mean, way up there. I mean, he owns the largest amount of char- charter schools in the world, and they're still going up. And they teach people, uh, you know, Turkey culture, Turkish culture, and they, they send these these children on these summer camps to Turkey and basically try to indoctrinate them and things like that. I mean, it's completely crazy. And when you actually start reporting on them and doing stuff, the day that I release a video and David Knight release a video – we got hacked. Everything got shut down at our at our office. Really? So when that's what's so crazy, he's like right under the nose. I mean, he's not too far from Arlington or CIA headquarters. Like this is happening. Yeah, but if right you read, under... if you actually read all of the paper, the papers on this guy, he was actually brought in. He was able to get his passport via the CIA. He is here for their purposes. Yeah. That's incredible. Check it out, folks. Look it up. Fetullah Gulen. It's right under our freaking nose, dude. And our kids are over there freaking dying for this bullshit. And our kids are being indoctrinated by this radical extremist who is known and wanted as a terrorist in many in many countries. Yeah. So based on what if Donald Trump says, if he says what he believes or believes what he says, uh, Fethullah Gulen would have a short stay here in the United States if Trump becomes president. Would you assume that to be correct? I would hope so, and I would uh, make sure that I reached out to him. Uh, via some of the different people that we know uh, to uh, remind him of that bastard and make sure that they do get him on the first plane out. First thing, smoking, for sure. Well, moving up into that world of 2016 WWE shit show slash presidential election, <laughs> this is this is crazy, man. I, this is really kind of crazy. It's, it, the, the whole paradigm is shifting, it seems to me, as far as politics, politicians. The, the freaking RNC seems like it's imploding. What are your thoughts on going? what's going on right now, man? Is Trump legit, and why do you love Hillary so much? <laughs> yeah, I love Hillary like I... Uh... I love Joe it. Big posted a, tr- a trending a trending hashtag last week. What was it, Joe Big? It went and cuff Hillary. And cuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I literally I, I started it. by myself because uh, I knew the next day I was going to be interviewing uh, Chris Tonto Peranto, the guy who wrote or co-authored 13 Hours and was actually one of the survivors of the Battle of Benghazi that Hillary Clinton and her State Department screwed everyone over and led to the death of Americans. Um, so, yeah, I have a special place of hatred uh, in my heart for her that will be there forever and ever until she's incarcerated. And then there I will be happy. And it even goes back farther, man. If you get into, like, the stuff they were doing in Arkansas, man, I mean, just go look it up. The body count that those – Billary, Bill, Billary, Billary. Billary and Bill <laughs> left, left in Arkansas, it's it's nasty, man. It's, it's quite nasty. So what, do you, what are your thoughts on Trump? Is he legit? What's going on? All right, so the Trump thing, first of all, I'm the most non-politically correct person in the world. I will be blatantly honest and tell people what I think, how I feel. If I think you look like you're dressed like a dickhead, I'm going to tell you that. I don't care if it you spent all day or three weeks preparing that outfit. Sorry, you look retarded. I'll say it. I don't give a shit. And you have the right to be offended, but I also have the right to say that, which is one reason why I like Donald Trump, because he just speaks his mind. Yeah, you might not like it, but guess what? Would you rather that person stand up in a suit and tie in front of that podium and tell you what you want to hear. And then as soon as he steps away, he goes, hey, man, these guys are fucking idiots. I've got them in my right. back pocket. No, I'd rather you just be blatantly honest and say some stuff that maybe is offensive. But, hey, at least I, you're laying it all out there on the table. I can see what you're doing, and I can make a decision for myself. 
Well, and something he does, like especially the Muslim thing, the not letting Muslims in. I think that sounds so incendiary, but he doesn't. He doesn't say that with the caveat of because our government's funding Islamic extremists. Like he, it seems like he can't cross that line. Like he can, you know what I mean? It kind of almost is a disservice to him. Like he, he says such an incendiary thing, which people get pissed about. But if he's saying, if he, you know, qualifies it, well, guys, I'm not against freaking Muslims or whatever. This is, you know, this is Trojan horse type shit going on. Some serious yeah, military it, it, tactics it, it, going it, it, on. It, it's a when you're running for president, it's not who's especially this time around. Everything everything that's ever happened in the past doesn't matter. This is the most unique one ever, and it's going to change politics for the rest of our lives. Uh, this year, it's been a dick measuring contest, easiest way to put it. And he's the kind of guy that when someone bullies him or his country that he cares about, he's just going to say what he needs to do and hopefully strike fear in the uh, eyes of the enemy. You know, the mm -hmm. Paris attacks happened, and he came out and he said, you know what, we're going to not let these guys in until we vet them. Because the FBI clearly came out that week and said, we don't have a way to vet all these Syrian refugees. So him being the rich billionaire he is, it's always just kind of been brash and says what he wants. He says, you know what, we're mm -hmm. going to put a halt on that. Do I think he's going to ban Muslims from coming into the country? No. But he's going to say, hold on, stop, let's assess the situation, figure out what's going on. And then we'll come up with a better way to vet these people and let them in. It's just like if there's a crime scene and a murder happens. You don't just leave it open and let people walk through. You, know, you put up the tape, you stop for a minute, you try to get evidence, you try to find out what's going on, get to the root of the problem, then you open it back up and it's regular business again. Yeah, the thing that worries me about Trump and, and you know, among other things is, you know, you don't hear he, Hillary, or Bernie talking a whole lot about the Constitution. Um, I, I'd almost be afraid to ask him a, a question about the Constitution in front of a crowd just for fear of, potentially embarrassing him now does that say he doesn't know about the constitution hasn't read it i'm sure he probably has but can he quote anything out of it i don't know so so i'm a little worried about that and i would say that he probably would do better in the polls if he were to come out and say yeah the american government's been funding extremists which anybody with one eye and half a brain understands he honestly would probably go higher in the polls but to me what makes me most nervous, even more so about Trump, is it's like watching a train go really fast down a hill. You know the brakes are out. You don't know when it's going off the tracks. But but eventually he's going to say something or do something that could cause cause a serious wreck for himself. And then we've got Hillary. Which some people say is deliberate, which is kind of some you know conspiratorial cynicism. think that's the plan. think he's the ringer for I Hillary. worried about that from the beginning. Yeah, but I, I, I don't think that's a possibility. I mean, I, I tell you, I go to all these, I've been on the campaign trail now for, you know, a year now. You know, ever since he announced he was in and the whole thing started and they all started going out and uh, going from state to state, I've been going to all these things. And I've been to Hillary events and they're ghosts. There's like maybe 100 people, 200 people, a Bernie rally. You know, a couple times there's been like 20,000 people. You go to they've Trump rally, thousands. Points. They've got her up, what, four points over Trump nationally, which is garbage? Yeah. I mean, but they do that. It, it, it's, it's all predictive programming to screw with your head to make they, – they've done such a good job at making everyone so scared of Trump and not sit back and think, why are they making him sound worse when she already has a track record of being worse? Right. We already yeah, know yeah. she's pure evil, and yet you're starting to second-guess yourself about Trump for no reason when the guy has no track record worthy of that. Okay, maybe he's failed a few times in business, but he's also been successful. How many of us could take a million dollars and not blow it and turn it into a $10 billion empire right. and have an awesome family and hire tons of women? There's women. There's, there's, there's people of color all coming out praising him, saying, I've been treated amazingly by this man my entire life. I've never had any racial issues. He's, he's, 
was over was it Miss Universe. I mean, he had his reality TV show. There was no talks of racism during any of this time. And then all of a sudden, this popular guy who's anti-establishment comes out, and now the media starts attacking him in fear because they know that they're going to get shut down. They know that all these crooked politicians like John McCain and all these people are going to get shut down. They're not going to be able to sit there and continue to have their hands in all this dirt. Now, do I 100% think Trump's the most perfect person? No, but I'm 100% never Hillary. And there's no way in hell that a Senator Bernie Sanders will ever become president because Congress will not let any of his crazy socialistic ways pass do anything. Well, we should send Bernie to Venezuela so he can stand in line for diapers and food, actually. Dude, that video I saw the other day is crazy, that grocery store. Thousands of people just looting it. I've, I've got – here's the thing. I'm getting messages from friends in Venezuela who are begging me to help. They're trying desperately – people are desperate trying to get out of the country. Their children are starving. They have no water. There's no power. People are losing their money. It, it is hell there. It's hell there right now. But, and that's but all think about socialism. This. And, and I think state the state taking over the oil industry pissed off the central bankers, and they're they're playing games with them also. But think about this. In 2008, when Hillary ran, what was it, the first time, I believe, she has half as many voters this time around for this election than she had then. So there's no way she's beating uh, Donald Trump, who has had the most votes ever in the history of the GOP. It is BS yeah. propaganda. That's what that's what really pisses me off too. This like blatant cooking of the books too. I mean, it's like I said, I'm I'm pretty apolitical. I'm not a tr Trump stumper, and I definitely am not down with Hillary. But the shit's just being stolen right in front <laughs> and, of our faces. And, Seriously. and Putin's a horrible guy for owning the media in Russia, right? <laughs> right. Joe, I mean, what do you think about I'm, on both? I'm sides voting. I'm voting for me and Dan Bilzerian. So <laughs> who? Me. It's me and Dan Bilzerian. A clear uh, clear vision for America. That's going to be our campaign. Hey, you definitely get my vote before any of them other fools, bro. So, I mean, like, like I said, me and Pat have kind of talked about there's this huge kind of divide and conquer, which is by design going on. And, like, in St. Louis, they had a huge Trump rally that, you know, got super ugly. And it's happening everywhere. It's not just Trump people. It's not – I mean, it's on both sides. People are so, you know, viscerally reactive toward each other this political season. What do you think, man? Is that planting some seeds of some larger stuff, social unrest, unrest later on down the line? Because we got all this economic stuff, religious strife. You know, this this political stuff, could it all, is this one big perfect storm that could lead up to something? I mean, this has been going on since Ferguson. I mean, this is like really what they kicked the whole thing off. You know, when you have a narrative, a false narrative that gets pushed for so long about uh, an incident, and then it sparks a movement, and then it, it, it almost makes a lie worthy of, you know, going out and marching over. You know, the hands up, don't shoot thing was proven multiple times to not be real, even by, you know, uh, people that were there at the site when the, when the whole thing went down, you know, that sparked this whole false movement of a lot of stuff. And yeah, there are some people that go out there with good intentions, but that sparked this whole thing of like all cops are racist. All white people are bad. There's just too much whiteness, blah, 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 but they're there to stop racism. And what you're doing by doing that with black lives matter is you're inherently, you're, you're creating more racism. You're, you're creating a division. I've actually got a whistleblower that's involved in the Trayvon Martin thing that I'm going to be speaking to. It's the first time anyone's ever heard this. It's going to be coming out here in the next few weeks. And it'll blow your mind when you hear the stuff that the lawyers were saying and going to schools, to all black schools, and promoting a certain uh, narrative that would just blow your mind when you hear it. Yeah, people just would rather have this, 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 this divide and conquer. And you have people like George Soros who are funding these groups 
and allowing yeah, it to I was happen. I going to say, yeah. Yeah, like it's exacerbating. And now you get yeah, exactly you get people who legitimately have some you know gentlemen, g genuine intentions, you know, good intentions about raising hopefully awareness on certain issues. But like you said, it gets totally co-opted. It's almost like the Tea Party back in the day. It was an organic movement that totally got you know taken over by you know big business and big dollars, and then you know it, it gets. Tainted. Well, and I red flags went up for me right away when when media NBC of course did the interview with the kid that was with Trayvon Martin when he when he jacked up the store employee. And then when the kid Michael. put his hands up and said, you know, my, my friend Michael Brown was saying, you know, my hands are up. Don't shoot. My hands are up. Don't shoot. And I went, here we go, man. Here we go. This is this is going to get ugly. Well, then there was people like that's not him in the convenience store. It was like, dude, you got you were doing, you, you know, come on. <laughs> that's clearly him in the convenience store doing what he did. I mean, it's like, let's just be real about this conversation, man, instead of, you know denying ourselves what the fuck's going on. There's a brother, you know, he assaulted the freaking, should he have got shot or whatever went down? I'm not talking about that, but that was him in the damn store, dude. Come on, let's keep it 100. Yeah, I mean, is there a problem with uh, militarization of police? Yes. Is there a problem with racism within departments? Yeah, but I mean, there's racism on both sides. There's black people out there that can't stand white people and white people that don't like black people. You can't get rid of racism, but I guarantee you, right. as someone who's been across the entire planet, to a lot of places, we have the least amount of racism anywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. It's really not well, it's that like, bad. Like, but like you guys have said on Alex before, the, the, the fluoride in the water is affecting everybody. The shit they're spraying in the sky is affecting everybody. You know, all of this stuff, this economic stuff is affecting everybody. But they just keep us at each other's throat on this east-west shit, black-white shit, to keep that narrative going while they, the architecture at the top, just keeps on doing what they do. Oh, of course, yeah. It's, just, it's a big part. magic trick. It's like, hey, look at this shiny thing over here. Meanwhile, their hands back under their sleeve behind their shirt doing something else. It's completely and totally sinister. Man, I swear, I can't even imagine a Hillary presidency, but I digress. I just, it's just, it seems to me an inevitability because, and I hate to say that as a pessimist, because they just don't let anomalies like Trump in, right? We see what they do to yeah, but, I mean, people this, who, real talk. Yeah, Rand Paul and Ron Paul, they were able to derail, but they were both, sorry to say, I'm huge fans of them, big freaking pushovers. Once things get hot, they kind of just kind of back down. Rand right. Paul, you could see in this election, had great talking points during these debates. But as soon as Trump would jump in his face, he'd just put his head down and just kind of sit there quietly. If Rand Paul would have jumped out with the same intensity that Trump had, but then been a, an extreme, you know, an intense constitutionalist, which was what you would have need, he could have completely overshadowed Trump because he's way more smart. He's pretty much just like his dad, all-around great guy. I'd rather have Rand Paul in there. No, but Rand Paul's very, very intelligent out. guy. And yeah, I, I see where you're going with that, and he definitely needed to be more aggressive and stand his ground and, and baffle Trump with facts and, and crush him in front of people, embarrass him in front, yeah, of, he would have. in front of crowds. And he and he's fully capable of doing that. He is a super intelligent man, and I, I'm not quite sure why he didn't do this, maybe just not in his disposition, but maybe I need to... Mm -hmm. I, I spent a little time with Rand when he was... I gave a couple speeches for him and, and hung out at a couple spots with him and maybe give him some some mma lessons or something toughen him up a little bit and turn him turn him there loose again yeah, yeah. i mean i i, I would like that. to see him run again i mean i he got his feet wet this time around i know cruz is already talking about possibly trying again in 2000 what is it uh the next go around 2020 so you know speaking of cruz what are your thoughts on like because that story about him his dad being affiliated with the kennedy assassination he dipped out within 48 hours after that story broke do you think there's any validity to that conversation 
I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think he screwed himself anyways. I mean, he, he's, he's too much of a shit talker. He, he's that, that slimy kid who, like, you know, has been in politics since, like, middle school, like, running for, like, free candy in the, you know, in the, in the machines, the snack machines for all students, I, blah, blah, I, blah. They I voted for him. Alex had said, I swear Alex had said the day before that he had just hired, Cruz had just hired this PR firm out of, like, somewhere in Europe or England or some shit that specializes in, like, mind control or something like that. I forget exactly what that was, but that was literally the day before, two days before he dropped out. So I just thought it was kind of weird timing because that story comes out about his dad, then he was then he was out. I thought he was in it for the long haul. I mean, when I see someone talk, I can generally look at them, their posture when they say stuff, and I can tell if they're being honest. He's a guy that knows exactly what to say. He knew exactly what crowd he was pandering to, and he played that flute. I mean, he played it up and down. And, you know, he's got all these people ruling over him. He's the only true conservative, you know, like he's the snaky guy. I mean, he's married into Goldman Sachs. You know, mm. the guy just he, he's got that that fake evangelical preacher type thing. Like he goes on the road and sells snake oil and goes on tour <laughs> just telling right. everybody what they want to hear. Like when I see him, I just like cringe. Yeah. I'm like, Ugh. Well, yeah, where that's where he turns a lot of people off. And I think that. You know, conservatives just need to stay away from social issues, man. Just stick stick to the numbers, stick to the Constitution. You know, if the Constitution didn't say they can do it, we, we have to somehow start turning the clock back on all these unearned entitlements and all the other garbage. You know, it's it's just that's where they're losing uh, support. That's Tenth where they're amendment, losing baby. support. You know, pe- people, I think, have come to the point where they're like, look, Social issues. Look, if you want to do something to your own body or with who you want, you're you're an adult. You're a consenting adult. You know, go ahead and go ahead and do it. But you know, besides that, man, Americans just want to know that they're going to have a job. They're going to have a future. They're going to pay their bills. Their kids are going to be okay. Yeah, they definitely. This LGB thing, you know, this whole target that the federal government needs to be nowhere near that conversation. Right. Right. But, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Obama doesn't have the the Obama shouldn't be coming in here and making that stuff mandatory. You know, if Target wants yeah. to do it, that's fine. But it's my it's my right to boycott them or protest them and not go. But it shouldn't be a countrywide thing. It's just like, you know, I, I don't think it should be, a, you know, a federal government, you know, position, even getting a marriage or anything like that. It should be a state yeah, level. Exactly. Let us deal with it. Exactly, Tenth Amendment. Yeah, that, that, it's, it's just yeah, it's just them overstepping their bounds once again. But people, you know, people don't seem to get like Pat said. You know, unless it's specifically enumerated by the Constitution, it needs to go to the states. But people just seem to just you know acquiesce and just give these government more and more power, which it's a slippery slope as we've seen. We've been softened up. Man, this is huh? society's been softened up by everything that's been been going on. I mean, look at the you know the the politically correct movement that's been going on. That brought us that softened. Everybody up enough to go to the okay. Now we're going to let men go into women's bathrooms and their locker rooms, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's my issue. Is that whole thing? Like, I don't care if you want to be trans, whatever. Be trans species, trans gender, trans. You, if you want to be an Autobot, I could care less. You can walk around in a Transformers <laughs> uniform all day with paint and nail polish on and pretend you're saving kittens all day from trees. That's fine and dandy, whatever. But when you start sacrificing the safety of the overwhelmingly large population compared to the butthurt feelings of 0.03% of uh, Americans, then I have an issue because I know that there's evil yeah. in this world and I know that there's bad people that want to do bad things. 
you know, I'm sorry that you're, you're dealing with this whole trans thing at 0.03% of the population, but guess what? Overwhelmingly, there's more bad people in the world than there are trans people, and there's a lot of sick pedophiles out there. There was a guy this weekend who choked an eight-year-old girl to death in a bathroom, and right. he was in the female bathroom. Right. He was able to just what? walk in because he, he, no one could stop him. Any other time before that, you'd see a guy walk into the women's restroom, and he'd be like, hey, bro, you going to the wrong spot? Hey, you, need a, you, need, you got a problem? He walked oh, over yeah. and maybe scared the, the, the shit now, out of that, the guy. Did that, now, did, that now, girl, did that girl actually die? I didn't, I didn't read where she had, had died. I read that her mother had gone in and, and saved her or something, but I didn't, I didn't uh, know. Someone, yeah, I'd heard that she got choked it up, but then again, I mean, who knows? There's been, literally since this whole trans thing happened with Target, there has been at least 10 to 15 cases, at, uh, almost a week, where there's been some dude running into a bathroom now, you know, upskirt shots, filming people, doing all this craziness. So, yeah, well, and you know, no, no offense to Alex Jones because he's actually he's one of my favorite talk show hosts out there. The guy's great. I love him. But Andrew Wilkow is by far my favorite guy. And Wilkow made a great point. Uh, he was talking with somebody, and and the, this person was black, and he said, you know, do you support transgenders being able to use women's facilities? And this person, this, it was a woman. She said, "Well, yeah, I do. You know, if they if they truly feel that they identify as a a female, that yes, they should be able to to use it." And he goes, "Okay, now let me put it to you another way." And this was beautifully put. Wilkow is so sharp; it's it's incredible. I love the guy. But he says, "Okay, take Rachel Dolezal for instance. Rachel Dolezal identifies as a black person. So if there are reparations payments to African Americans to black citizens." for slavery, for the wrongs of slavery that goes out to the black community, because Rachel Dolezal identifies as a black American, should she be entitled to that money? And that's when it hit home with this lady, and she went, I get where you're coming from. I get where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. Look, as you just said, Joe, you can identify with whatever you want, but when you start, I've got three young daughters, man. If I see a guy walk into the bathroom... I've got a lot to lose. I really do. I've got a good mm -hmm. job. I've got a couple businesses. You know, my name's out there a lot. The guy's probably not going to walk out of the bathroom. And I'll have to co-host a show. I'm being honest with you. And what my point is, is we, we have been softened up by this this rhetoric, this garbage that, that the left has put out there with with outlawing words like bum and crazy and criminal and, and uh, you know, failure. Failure is replaced by deferred success now you know let's let's participation trophies you know we can't use the word fairy anymore you know what i actually use the word fairy quite often and i'll go ahead and continue to use it until somebody kicks my ass for doing it and that's not happening deferred success i love it I love we can't it. even say foreign food yeah, the pussification of America, of America is in full swing, and it's really kind of global, actually, and it's um, it's disheartening There's to see. But, I, I uh, pretty much show my disdain for politically correct culture with my uh, T-shirts that I wear on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have a I have a teacher a T-shirt uh, that has uh, Hillary with a Hitler mustache. It says Hitlery. Another one that says cunt above it. You know, I, I really don't care, and it's uh, I'm going to continue you, to do you it. You went to. Uh, you went to months ago. You went to a Trump rally when you first debuted for Hillary for, for prison T-shirt, and everyone thought it said for president at first until you opened it and really saw it. You know, because it, it was styled like a Hillary for president T-shirt. That was quite the hit. You got a big hit at the Trump rally with that. <laughs> yeah, that was back in August. I did that in front of twenty something thousand people in the entire 
entire stadium. It was in Dallas, Texas. The entire stadium went bananas. Everyone jumped up. Pictures were flashing. All the media turned around. Trump's like looking over and pointing at me like it was out of control. That's awesome. You know, it's like two years ago, I was in a Starbucks. I had my Infidel shirt on. And the kid behind the counter, the the barista was, you know, look, he, I can't generally tell if somebody's gay or not, but this kid was definitely gay. And that's fine with me. I don't care. But he looks at me and he says, why are you wearing that shirt? And I said, well, just, just letting him know that, that you know, I'm, I'm an infidel. And he goes, he goes, I can't believe you're doing that. And he was offended and started chewing my ass as the customer in Starbucks for wearing a shirt that said infidel on it. And I go, look, kid, I go, they're throwing people like you off buildings right now. So I'd, I'd really like it if you just get my cup of coffee for me. I'd, I'd appreciate that. I'm not, I'm not here to discuss it with you, okay? But that, that's, that's this kid, he's so politically correct that he doesn't understand that he's protecting people that are butchering yeah. people like him. It becomes dangerous. People's ignorance, especially in these days, man, it becomes dangerous because, you know. This, this new liberalism is way dangerous than radical Islam. Way more dangerous yeah. than radical Islam. That I should feel guilty for saying that there's radical Islam because there is a problem with that. You know, yeah, maybe Christians killed tons of Muslims back in the day in crusades. But guess what? They progressives moved on from that and figured out that's probably not a good idea to do that anymore and very unchristian-like. And now we have a group of people that live in this old way of uh, Islam, and they've never changed. They've never progressed in any way, but I'm supposed to progress, and I'm supposed to... Uh, uh, you know, change my life and push my culture aside because you guys still want to act like, uh, you know, barbaric, you know, madmen running around cutting people's heads off and throwing, you know, homosexuals off bridges and mass murdering, you know, people and raping women. But then I'm going to be called a sexist if I look at some girl's butt, if it looks good. Hey, at least I'm not making you cover up and I'm not throwing you down to the ground and chopping your head off because I think you looked at my buddy's elbow. Right. Well, and, and in defense of the Crusades, you got to remember that that was in response to, you know, the Muslims invading Europe and pushing them back out. And yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna push invaders out, that that generally takes a little bit of brutality. You're gonna have to butcher a few. Yeah, people. but but I'm saying, but that's the argument that I always get is like, oh, well, Christians in the Crusades. I'm like, all right, well, yeah, guess what? Christians, the, Christians the, finally the, defended their land and kicked the shit out of them. Yeah. Well, you, then you still have the Inquisition in, you know, 15th century, you know, Queen Isabella, you know, sending, you know, dispatching the Spanish over to, you know, indigenous areas, you know, basically cutting heads off for not converting. But, you know, we digress. There's, there's plenty of blood that's been spilled on both sides of that conversation, believe me. That's yeah, I mean, religion is one of the leading causes of death. <laughs> right. If not, I don't care what happened 500 years ago. I'm not. I didn't live 500 years ago. My kids won't live 500 years ago. They live. They're, they're going to live in the now. So my my issue right. now is radical Islam. That is the threat that I have to deal with in my lifetime. So you know, if someone wants to say that I'm a racist because, or I'm Islamophobic because, you know, maybe I suffer from PTSD because I had a guy with a towel wrapped around his head trying to chop my head off. Yeah, I'm going to be a little bit twitchy around people like that. Right. Well, that's, that's well understood, my friend. Well understood. <laughs> what do you got, man? You got any more for Mr. Joe Biggs? I know he's got a slide. He's a busy man. What you got for my I'm, man, Pat? Close I'm solid. Out. He's been fun to talk to. I'd like to sit down with he and Alex sometime and have a beverage. Have a nice, chilly beverage. Sounds good. We have to get down to Austin Way to check these boys out. Joe Biggs, you got any final words, my man? What you got coming up, man? I know you're flying all over the place all the time. What you, uh, what I am you got? flying. I'm flying to uh, Louisville, Kentucky, on Friday to receive an award for uh, 
Second Amendment coverage in the media. So I'm going to be at the NRA uh, thing they have yearly, uh, Friday through Sunday. And then I'm going to the gun industry awards that I'm hosting down at Park City at the Rock Castle Estates in Kentucky. And it'll be some of the top shooters, gun manufacturers. And we go through different weapon systems, test them out, do a review on them, and then give out awards to the you know, the, the company we believe makes the best bolt action, you know, rifle versus a, or the company that makes the best AR platform or, you know, pistol, so forth and so on, innovation stuff. So it'll be pretty cool. Very cool. Sounds fun. Got any, got any well, books or anything always. coming out? Do what now? You have any books or anything coming out, buddy? No, no, no. Maybe one day. One day. Yeah, Joe, you definitely need to do that. You definitely need to write a book, dude. I would definitely read that bad boy. I mean, it'd be like trying to make a documentary on the Obama administration while the Obama administration is still going on. So I'm still in my uh, right. my Biggs administration. So once it dies down and I actually have some time and I have a chance to kind of sit back and look at everything, I'll uh, maybe throw You're something together. To stop ringing, in other words. <laughs> yeah. He's a busy man. Like I said, he was here. Well, you were in Ferguson twice, dude. You were on the front lines, brother, and that's where I met up with you guys uh, when you guys were here, dude. Seriously doing some serious work, and we all appreciate it, bro. Uh, Staff Sergeant Joe Biggs, InfoWars reporter, man, thank you so, so very much for your time, my friend. It's very much appreciated. No problem, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, buddy. Absolutely. Everyone, this has been the Conspiracy Farm with Staff Sergeant Joe Biggs, InfoWars reporter, and, of course, UFC Hall of Famer, Pat Milicic. I am Jeffrey Wilson. Peace out.